Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great interview an episode to help you up your game in talent development. That's what we're all about on this show with everything I do with the podcast and the membership community that we run called the Talent Development Think Tank. By the way, if you're not a member, would love for you to check that out. Our website is tdtt.us. Uh, we have over 100 amazing people who work in talent development, all different types of companies and industries across the US and Canada, and some in Europe as well. We love inviting new people from talent development into the community to join our discussions. We have a lot of great guest speakers and some fantastic conversations around different topics. And we recently opened up a new level of membership for early career L&D professionals called our foundation level. You can find all the information about the main level and our foundation level on our website, tdtt.us. And our guest today is not only a returning guest on the podcast, but also someone who has spoken in our community in the past. And it was a very popular topic and conversation. We talked all about confidence. And my guest today is Elisa DeVere, who is a confidence crusader, neuro nerd, and success equalizer who received a 2021 Stevie Award for Achievement in Thought Leadership. She's a two-time TEDx and Boston Best Speaker, seven-time award-winning author, Real Confidence podcast host and Thrive Global contributor. Leading the American Confidence Institute, Elisa has directly empowered over 350,000 people through ICF and SHRM accredited keynotes, self coaching workshops, e classes, and coaching certification programs. With a commitment to make diversity, equity, and inclusion a reality, Elisa founded and chairs the ERG Leadership Alliance, the largest association of employee group leaders. Now, we had Elisa on the show 
back just a few months ago talking about confidence, what it is, and how we can instill more confidence in our organization. Again, as I mentioned, she spoke in our community as well, and it was a very popular conversation with a very active, engaged audience. And she and I have kept in touch and been talking about doing a subsequent episode that focuses a little bit more on career development. Uh, As you know, if you follow me, I have a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and I speak in a lot of organizations about how to own your career. And I'm on a mission to inspire more employees and people around the world to take ownership of their careers, take control of their future, and really live a life of intention. You know, a lot of organizations are providing great resources to their people, but they need their people to meet them halfway, right? They want their people to take responsibility and take ownership of their careers as well, uh, which is where I come in. I've been speaking with a lot of companies about this. And I want to talk to Elisa about her approach and philosophy because I know it's similar to mine, but of course, she's done a lot more research on this idea of confidence. So we're going to talk about what confidence is, why this has been an issue for employees in the workplace and what's causing the great resignation with a lot of people leaving, moving around, how we can help employees during this time, how we can help leaders and managers during this time to create more conversations so that your best people stop walking out the door. Lisa also talks a bit about the assessment and confidence course that she has. And I haven't been through that, but it sounds pretty interesting as well as the coaching certification she does. So if you're interested in that, hang around till the end. She'll talk about those and we'll have links in our show notes to all of that stuff as well. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Elisa DeVere about how confidence can create better career coaching conversations and improve retention in your organization. Enjoy. All right, I'm joined now by my friend Alyssa DeVere, who is a confidence crusader and a neuro nerd and just an expert in this area of confidence. And I wanted to bring her back on to talk about a few things, but especially this idea of helping people own their careers. Alyssa, welcome back to the show. I'm so psyched. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Very few returning guests, you know, in, in 250 plus whatever interviews we've done. But you and I hit it off the first time we talked and we've been talking more and more. And I just love all the stuff you're doing. And we're very aligned on some things, uh, many things with regards to confidence and career development and inclusion, diversity, all all those things. I know you study this idea of confidence a lot. and, And I talk about owning your career and helping people take ownership of their careers, as well as working with people in talent development to enable people, right, to to have better careers but one thing that holds a lot of people back, I think, is is a lack of confidence to go have the right conversations or pursue the things that they want to pursue. So before we get into that, and I know we covered this a lot in our last episode, maybe I'll just start background with your definition of confidence. You know, what is it as the basis as we go into this conversation? Well, Andy, it, it's always fascinating to talk about confidence at this like high level because then you can kind of apply it to anything. As today, we're going to do you know the, the ownership of your own career. Because the definition is very simple. It is when you have enough certainty about the truth of something, enough certainty about the truth of something. So you can apply to the weather. You know, do you think it's gonna rain, snow, or whatever? But when we talk about careers, it's are you certain enough that the next career step, that you should take a next career step, that the next career step, what it's going to be, is going to be good for you, right? Is it gonna be the right thing? And we get literally like deer in headlights, and I can explain it from a brain science perspective, we get deer in headlights and don't do anything because we're afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision. And that lack of certainty means that we're not confident. So it is kind of this academic overlay, if you will, but at the core of it is a fear to screw up. Mm. Yeah. 
we can still take action. Even if we don't have confidence, we don't have the certainty that the next step is going to work out for us or the boss is going to give us that promotion. We can still go and operate on courage or faith or something to keep going and trying for something, right? We don't necessarily have to have confidence, but the more certainty we have means we have more confidence that something's going to work out. Well, yeah. So let's change a little bit of some of the assumption here. Okay. So enough confidence, enough certainty. I kept using that word enough. Hmm. Even if we were in a laboratory right now and two scientists talking to each other, no matter what we do, there's always going to be a a potential margin of error Mm -hmm. or there's always a margin error. There's a potential opportunity to screw up. And even if we get it right today, whatever experiment we're doing, Tomorrow, the same variables, the same amounts of the formula, the same temperature, the same everything may not yield the same results. So there's always an assumption that we are certain enough that we are confident. And and I think when people appreciate the fact that you're never going to have all the data or knowledge or luck, whatever you want to call it, right? That's part of the human condition. That's just the way life is. So you have to accept the fact that you're never going to always know with certainty anything, let alone a career move, number one. Number two is don't expect anyone else to either. So if you're going to go to a manager or you're going to go to a career counselor, you're going to go to anyone else who you think is going to give you the sage perspective, you also have to recognize that they're human as well. And they are not necessarily going to hold the answers. And you're certain enough is the benchmark that you should have, not 100% confidence. Courage, and I think you and I talked about this on the last pod. Courage is the absence of, of even thinking about what's going to happen. Courage is you rush into a situation, a burning building, rescue the cat, for example. And that courage might get you through that immediate situation. But I would not recommend being courageous in your career. I would, I would encourage you to be confident, but use that tempered definition of enough certainty, not 100% certainty. And that will feel a lot more comfortable. So what if I'm planning to have a conversation with my manager and... I am deathly afraid of rejection, right? I'm going to ask for that promotion. I don't know if he or she thinks that I deserve it. You know, I feel like I've done enough work to justify me asking for this, but at the same time, like I hate rejection. I'm terrified of rejection. I feel like it takes courage to go into the room or virtual room and have that conversation, you know, despite all the fear you have. So what are you saying? What do you think that is? Well, first of all, everyone hates being rejected. That's the core of everything. Anyone who studied Maslow back in the 1940s, this is not news to anybody. We all hate not belonging or being rejected, right? So for everyone else out there, we're all in that same seat, Andy, myself included. But if you don't believe in your core that you're entitled to that promotion, then you shouldn't be asking for it. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with courageous. Courageous is well, maybe they'll think today that I'm really worth it. Like it's that set that complete utter, let's just throw the dice and see what happens. Mm-hmm. If you really believe inside that you are entitled, justified, deserving of that next career move, yeah. it's nothing to do with courage. It has to do with getting your head around the fact that how are you going to present that in a way that is not questioning your own certainty, right? right? And confidence is the greatest selling tool of all. If I come at you and I say, Andy, I would like to ask for this raise and this is why, and I say it in a confident way, believe me, I can be a lot less entitled to it than the next guy or gal. Mm -hmm. But if I come at it with, I believe this is true, that's that's contagious to other people. That confidence gives that manager their confidence to do it. 
yeah, confidence sells, right? This is why we see people getting promoted that are more less qualified than others. We see people selling programs and things who are more successful than those who are, you know, quote unquote, more qualified, maybe more experienced, whatever it may be, because they have the confidence to go out there and say like, I know I deserve this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. Right. And there's even, you know, could we relate this? I don't know if we talked about this last time, you know, certainly the studies showing that that women are less likely to apply for things if they don't think they're fully qualified, right. On average, every individual is different. Whereas men on average are more likely to go for something, even if they don't feel like, ah, you know, I may not tick all the boxes, but I'm going to go for it and give it a shot anyway. Right. So what women, you know, we get pissed on, I say, we, I'm a woman, so I'm going to speak on behalf of all womankind. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, we get pissed off then we're like, we're so much more competent mm-hmm. than that person that got it. We get yeah. pissed off, envious, vengeful, gossipy, all the negative, like mm-hmm. cave person behaviors that are a reflection of our own lack of confidence, mm. right? So, you know, or, you know, I, we just did a whole um, episode on this too, uh, on my podcast about, then we go and get more degrees because we think that we're not qualified enough, right? We go yeah. and, and get another certificate or something. And it what's so preposterous is that we don't believe we're entitled to the raise. So we're trying to sell somebody else. And no matter how many letters I have after my name, if I can't convince you, my manager or whoever I'm trying to quote, as you said, sell, Mm. why should you buy it from me? Mm. Why should you trust that I deserve the raise if I don't believe I do? Yeah. Fascinating. So let's get to this, this idea of careers in the workplace. I'm having lots of conversations and from my view, there's so much frustration in the working world right now, because a lot of employees don't feel like they're getting the coaching or the opportunities that they are looking for, maybe the growth that they want. And at the same time, a lot of leaders and organizations are also frustrated because they don't know what employees want. And what ends up happening is a lot of these employees, especially early career in their first two to three years of their organization, they get frustrated. They're not getting the direction they want. And instead of having that conversation with their boss, they're going on LinkedIn and they're finding another position, right? And of course, we're, you know, people talk about us being in the great resignation, the turnover tsunami, great reset, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people moving around, more opportunities than ever. And yet I feel like sometimes a lot of this could be solved with a simple conversation, not everything, but an actual conversation between an employee and a manager. Does, you know, let's focus on our career. This is where I want to go. Can you help me? What, what are you seeing there? Well, when it first started, my hypothesis was that it was because we live in this Googleable mindset, right? If I want to figure out how to fix something, I just Google it. And if my career is broken, I should be able to just Google that, right? But my, my career is not your career. My desires and personal needs are not yours. So it becomes very hard to find the fix, right? To find the hack. With that said, I don't think it's a generational issue. I mean, I'm seeing this cross board. literally just got off a call before we got on together with a woman who's been at a staffing firm for 20 years. And she's mm. like, I need to look for a job. Can you help me? Kind of thing. And I was like, mm. are you joking? Like, really? Like, <laughs> take control. You know, you know, she knows better than I do. And mm. I think that's part of it is that in the last 24 months, with all the stuff that has gone on, we don't have to rehash it by any means, but the result of it is we're tired. We want things kind of handed to us. I'm, you know, I I present all the time and what uh, is so clear in the reactions, the interactions, the feedback that I keep getting is people don't want to learn. They want to be told, like, just tell me what to do. Just, Mm. just tell me what to do next. So I think that's the thread. And again, back to the brain science on it, you know, the overwhelmed brain, 
don't have decision-making capacity, cognitive cycles are all drained. You know, can't make another choice because I'm so overchoiced and exhausted at this point. So tell me what to do next. Tell me what I should do with my career. Tell me what to put on the resume. Tell me what to say to my boss to get the raise. That's the mentality. Yeah. And I think that's really sad. Mm. That makes me, you know, when I did my TED talk two years ago, I concluded the, the first TED talk, I concluded with we're devolving, right? Mm. We're no longer able to process and, and make decisions in a, in a positive, critical, open-minded way. And I do believe that. Unfortunately, it was all too telling. And I think this is the, the symptom of it is that people want things pre-digested to tell me what to do and careers. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to make a wrong choice. So tell me what the right one is, Andy. It's easier, right? Because there's so much uncertainty. Yep. And what if I make the wrong choice or I don't really know what I want? Because quite frankly, I think one of the reasons for that is most people don't take much time for self-reflection to like sit down with a journal and think about where you want to go in your career and your life. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Own Your Career and Your Life, because I've been working in consulting for 10 years. And I see these people who you know, move up the ladder and seem to be doing fairly well, but they're like miserable because they don't know how they got there. They've been operating in reaction mode their whole career. And you kind of wake up and like, what, what happened? Right. And I want people to be more intentional with where they're going, but that requires thought. It requires thoughtfulness. It requires, you know, really understanding what you want to do and then having the courage or confidence to go and have that conversation and go after some of those opportunities, whether it's the promotion, whether it's trying something different. Hey, I work in finance, but I've always liked people and I want to go try working in HR or marketing for a while or doing something completely different, which can often be scary for a lot of people. And so then they, they don't do anything. Absolutely. And you know, you're a, forgive me for saying it like this, but you're like a poster child for having that life event that goes, hey, like, well, hello, like, why are you coasting? Why are you letting other people drive your bus? You know, like, why, yeah. why are you been, why are you at a, a company for 20 years? Not you personally, but yeah. a lot of people are for 20 years. They've gotten promoted, pats on the back. They're doing something right. Everything's good. And the reality is they're not doing anything. They're just following what they're told to do, right? They're, they're a little bit robotic and they do wake up sometimes maybe due to a personal health crisis, or they have some a loved one that, you know, passes away or something that rocks their world to the point where they're like, oh, wait a minute. I gotta take, I gotta take the wheel. Yeah. And and to be fair, right, there, there's nothing wrong with staying with an organization for 20 years or your whole yeah. career. We don't see it as much anymore. But if it's working for you and it's working for them, like that's great. There's nothing wrong with doing what your company or your manager asks you to do. I mean, that you you're there for a reason. There's a financial trade-off that, you know, a con, you know, contract, whether it's a physical contract or not, that's put in place that like you will show up and do the things they ask you for, and they will pay you and give you benefits, you know, that sort of thing. But it's kind of that nuance of being a little bit intentional with the work you're taking on, you know, the direction you're heading in your career, the conversations you have with people, how you spend your time, that sort of thing that we see a lot of people just not really realizing that they have more control than maybe they think. That's right. And the, you know, I love the word intentional. I use it a lot as well myself, because you know, my, my whole thing is about confidence as a choice. And you can choose to stay in a company for 20 years if it's treating you well and you like it and you're happy and all that. If you're choosing to do that and there is intentionality, absolutely, 100% agree with you. I'm jealous of people who get that opportunity, quite frankly. Yeah. But a lot of times, and I'm sure most of the people that come to you as a result of the work that you do, they haven't been making intentional choices and they, they, they are now regretting that for whatever reason. 
not necessarily that they were mistreated, but Mm -hmm. that they didn't say, yes, I want to do this for this purpose, or I'm choosing to stay here and not follow a passion that's been nagging at me for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or it can be a little scary to make that decision, right? Yeah. Or the opposite as well, because I work with a lot of organizations and a lot of times the problem they're trying to solve, especially these days is, you know, attrition is going up. We're losing a lot of our best people and we want them to stay longer, right? You want them to be intentional about staying longer and and something's not working for them because they've taken an opportunity somewhere else. And, you know, sometimes you get an offer or an opportunity from another company that's just way too good to turn down. Or sometimes you decide like, Hey, you just want to run your own business. Like I did. And like, I want to go be an entrepreneur. But most of the time when people leave, they could have been persuaded to stay, right? There's some reason why they're leaving. A lot of times it's because their manager is not great. Maybe something's not working with the culture. Maybe they, you know, just get more money somewhere else, but money's not usually the, the, the main thing either. And so it's like, how do we help our people become more intentional with their careers and realize that there is opportunity for them in our organization so that they stay longer and that they're happy and engaged and choosing to be here on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a paradox, right? And the paradox is this, on one hand, you want somebody to own their career. So they are more intentional and mindful and aware of what they like, they don't like Mm -hmm. what direction they want to go in. You're giving them the confidence to make their own decision. And that is very empowering, makes them feel good. It gives them a little dopamine, you know, they want to stay because they are in control and the company, you know, the organization's allowing them to take ownership of their path. That's awesome. On the other side of it, the question becomes, if you don't help the employees do this, not only aren't you going to give them that dopamine drip, so to speak, but you're not going to know what those underlying issues are, right? So I think organizations, not I think, I know organizations need to get more aggressive about working through these career choices and coaching moments, not just for the employees. So the employee feels good, but so you can diagnose and figure out what the issues are. Now, are all those issues resolvable? No, they're not. And oftentimes employees don't take the time to recognize that what they're upset about is a either in their control, like you said, or B silly, (laughs) right? It's silly. And it's silly in the sense that they've never addressed it. Maybe somebody put fish in the microwave and they're just tired and they don't want to deal with it. It's silly, but you know what, if HR or the manager or somebody sits down with that employee and be like, Hey, why don't we talk about some of the things that make working here a little challenging for you? And somebody says, you know, I really hate it when Andy like cooks his lunch in the microwave every day. And the manager goes, Oh, I'm just telling Andy not to do that. Like resolve, like, right. But that's enough to make somebody pissed off and not recognize why they're really pissed off. Right. Yeah. And by not having that conversation, they just stew and angry and and like, I'm going to go look for another job. When, like you said, having that conversation, not doesn't all solve everything, but it it certainly could. And so we want to encourage more people to have those conversations. By the way, there's probably a lot of people listening who are still working remotely who are like, I do not miss those microwave, like (laughs) someone burning the popcorn in the microwave or the fish in the microwave or whatever. at the Or like that person that comes and just has to hang out in my office and chat my head off while I have deadlines, right? You know, all that stuff. But at the same time, we miss it. We miss it, right? Yeah, exactly. We, We don't miss it and we miss it. And everybody's in a different place on it, which is another reason to have a conversation with your people to understand what are their needs and what do they like and do they want to be back and not back, that sort of thing. I think a lot of 
people want are craving career coaching and conversations and they're not getting it, right? Can you talk a little bit more about what you're seeing there? Me? Man, this is, this is your lane, but you know what? It's funny because I'm in the conference lane and it, it's the constant question of, you know, I want to make a change. I don't know what the change is. I'm just not happy. Help me figure this out. And the conversation, and I think that's the issue, right? I started before saying, you know, we're a Google economy. We like, we want to look it up, get the answer and move on. It's not that straightforward. I, I wish it were, but you know, a little bit of self-awareness, a little bit of sitting back and taking some time to think, you know, my, my talk I did in December was my whole thing about floating in my pool and how it like clarified for me so many things, just staring at the sky. You know, we got to get away from our screens. We got to get away from the zoom stuff long enough that we can really sit down and go, okay, what do I really like doing? What do I want to do? What floats my boat literally. Mm -hmm. And, and subsequently be true and honest with ourselves. You know, I think people sometimes will tell you it's not about the money, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, if you're going to be an accountant and you love accounting, it's great. And then at yeah. the end of the day, where you do an accounting for A organization or B organization, you better believe it has to do with the money. Mm-hmm. But there are certain fundamental things, values, you know, the kind of people, the kind of work, the kind of environment, the kind of flexibility. And it boils down to, you know, what's important to you as an individual at that time in your life. You know, my kids right now are out of the house. I don't, feel the need to have as much flexibility in my, you know, in office thing. That's great for me, but for other people, not so much. So, you know, you have to be very truthful to yourself and to your employer. These are deal breakers and these I'm flexible on. I I was on a call actually this weekend with a friend of mine. She took about an 18 month hiatus to really figure out what she wanted to do. She came up, she's like, I want to be a consultant. She works for one of the big eight or whatever they are now, big five. I don't even know how many (laughs) left. And this weekend she was like, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And so we started talking about why, and it was like some fundamental things like as the consultant, she doesn't have ownership. She can't see things completely done. She doesn't have control of what she gets to do. And for her, it's making her insane. Hmm. Now she's not a young chicken. Let me tell you that. And so for her, it's a little scary. And I kept saying to her, it's just a job, you know, like yeah. you waited 18 months last time, but the implications in terms of benefits and everything else makes it a little scary. So yeah, I, I think, you know, with clarity, Yes, not always easy, but talking about it, doing some assessments, sure. Sitting down and doing some listing, floating in your pool, walking around the park, mm-hmm. really tapping into your values. That that's that, that's where the answers are. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of people listening who have never taken more than one or two weeks off. They're like, wait a minute, what do you mean she took 18 months off? Well, with all due respect, part of it was like, you know, it was right when COVID hit and stuff. And yeah. it just was kind of like a good time. She was, uh, she had some. Right. I figure there's other factors. We don't, we don't have to go into our personal situation. Yeah, before. no, I mean, I, I, I want to be clear. I do not advise that to anyone, but if yeah. you have the luxury. By yeah. all means, yeah, <laughs> go jealous. for it. <laughs> for over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. 
That's advantageperformance.com. I think, you know, I'm seeing similar things and those coaching conversations are not happening enough. And both sides are responsible. You know, managers, leaders need to be leading those conversations. Yes. But they're just as scared sometimes to have the conversation, don't have the confidence, don't know exactly what to say, you know, don't have the training. And it's up to us in talent development for those listening out there, right? To start to find ways to enable our managers, our leaders to have those conversations. Another problem is they're having the conversations. Well, another problem is they're very busy, right? They're like, I tell people all the time, if you want to have conversations with your manager about your career, sometimes you got to go chase them down because they're as busy or busier than you are, right? And they they want to talk to you. They have the best of intentions, but it's not happening because there's another project and there's another project and that weekly meeting keeps getting kicked down the road. And sometimes you got to chase them down the road and be like, hey, Lisa, like we, you know, we scheduled this time to talk. He's getting postponed. Like, I really want to talk to you about my career and what's going on. Can we please put time on the calendar this Friday? So, you know, and for employees, got to chase them down sometimes. And then what I'm also seeing and hearing is that a lot of these conversations are meant to be about the career, but they devolve into project checkups, right? So like, oh, we're going to sit down and talk about my career, but like, how's this, you know, how's this project going? How's this project going? And before you know it, like we've just done a lot of tactical stuff and we haven't really talked broadly about where I want to go in my career. So, you know, it's about blocking that time and getting really intentional with how you're spending that time. And obviously if you've got a great manager or leader, they're making that happen, but we need employees to take more initiative, right? And go and confidently say, hey, I'd like to have this conversation. I'd like to talk about my career, you know, see what options are. I've thought about where I want to go and I want to see if maybe you can help me and we can just have a conversation about it. And huge opportunities open up when you're willing to go have those conversations. Oh, absolutely. So I won't plug another show because I was on one this morning and they asked me, what's the number one thing that HR people can do? And I said, coaching, Hmm. coaching. I mean, managers, HR, anybody. And it has a dirty baggage behind it because a lot of coaches are not very good. They're, mm. They try and solve the world's problems. They have no business to solve, except a really good coach is a thought partner and a thought partner in your career context. That's magical. So some of the, the classes, actually all the classes that we do now at the Institute are coaching flavored. We have self-coaching and then we have coaching certification and we tr- do team coaching. We train managers to do team coaching because I'm 150,000% behind what you said that with very simple questions, we have like these six magical questions that we do, brain science-based and otherwise, that you don't have to get into an emotional conversation. You don't have to ask about, you know, the history of somebody's home abuse. You know, that's not part of a coaching conversation in a business context. What is part of it is what's the problem? Because people will say the problem is I I, I don't like the work. Okay. What, what about the work don't you like? You have to get really yeah. into the weeds on that, but that's not scary. You don't need a PhD or a psychotherapy you know, degree to do that. You just need to be able to ask some good questions and be willing to listen. Mm. You don't even have to solve them. You shouldn't solve them because when you solve them for your employee, not only do you become an enabler and there's a whole other podcast on enablement, right? Yeah but they're not going to get confident. They have to know that they can fix their own problems to be confident. When they are confident, then they can make better decisions, whether it's in their career or the spreadsheet that they need to go analyze, whatever it might be for the business. So yeah. helping them understand what the problem is, giving them the room and space to brainstorm, figure out what the right answers are at that time that are good enough, certain enough, 
that they're going to get the outcome that they choose. That's what coaches do. It's a thought partnership methodology that anyone can do. Now, I don't want to necessarily say you have to come through the American Confidence Institute to do that. We happen to have some pretty good resources. But the point of the matter is if we start thinking like a thought partner as a coach in that context, anybody can do it. Yeah. You can do it to your kids, your partners, anybody for that matter too. Ooh, okay. All right. I'm intrigued now. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about the, the work you're doing, the course. I know you have an assessment as well. The idea behind it is the question that I wrote down, how do we help employees develop the confidence to go have that conversation with their manager? How, say, say it again. How do we develop the confidence in the employee? How, how do we help our employees develop the confidence to go have more of those conversations? First of all, invite them. Hmm. Right. Like you said, great leaders will be like, Hey, let's have a conversation, Andy, about your career. Let's talk about it. Right. That's part of it. Part of it is being open to sitting down and having a, a conversation when you're not telling, like I said, listening, mm. asking questions, not feeling the need to have the answers, not making it a burden for either one of you, the employee or the manager, HR person to actually have a, a deliverable. I know it sounds counterintuitive in a business context, right? But there doesn't have to be a deliverable, but what there should be is a plan to try something, Yeah. right? So if the plan is, I'm not really sure the kind of work that I like to do, okay, we get down a little bit more questions and, you, and the, the, the resolution of the conversation is that you're going to go and you're going to talk to three other people who do a job that might be something of interest to you. Great. That's, it's a deliverable, but it's not a, you know, it's not a huge decision to go and change jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So breaking it down into something that can be done without putting a burden on people right now, particularly, that makes all the difference in the world, right? We have enough to do's. My lists are longer than I ever want to look at. They make me dizzy just looking at them. So don't throw that additional log on that person's fire. Just figure out what a small thing that they can do to move that decision process forward it's very, 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 very empowering to people. Yeah. Encourage people, make it as easy as possible, give guidance framework, all that sort of stuff. As I mentioned before, you have an assessment, you have a course now to help people with this. Can you talk about what that does and, and how it helps people? Oh, I'm so, I'm grateful for that. So we have um, two main e-classes that are the basis of a whole bunch of other programs that we do, but you can take the e-classes on your own as an individual. One is on the spot self-coaching, which is like a light version of everything that literally, if you have a situation, you want to learn these six questions, you go there cheap and easy and fast. Within an hour, you can basically be equipped with it. If you really want to get into confidence and really master it, it is um, a, a longer form, about a four hour all in, do all the exercises, four hours e-class called Real Confidence. And within Real Confidence and or you can take it um, just on your own, we have this wonderful new tool that just is launching called the self check, the real confidence self check. And it's a five minute, seven question. You know, I don't like calling it assessment because I really don't like putting people in boxes and this thing does not what it does. It just comes back with some coaching tips based on scenarios that you say, yes, I would do this or no, I would do that. And it's really quick and easy and it's free. So do that. If you really want to bring it to a team basis, we, we run some team programs around all this content, lots of information on our website. We can do it facilitated or we give you a facilitator's guide. You do it yourself as a manager. And those are really popular, Andy. I, I think there's this hunger for kind of book club-like mm. training. So you take the E-class, everyone watches it on their own, and we have a facilitation 
process that you can run yourself just to give people some prompts and have them discuss, which is really easy and fun. And if you really want to get your coaching cred, you come through our certification program. You do not need to be a professional coach. We're going to use the same material that I just went through. All we're going to do is make sure that you know how to coach by doing a couple role plays together and very, very powerful ICF and SHRM accredited. So you can get credit if you're in either one of those uh, levels. A lot of resources right there. So (laughs) (laughs) where do people go to find out more information and how do they figure out what's the right route for them? I love it. Uh, AmericanConfidenceInstitute.com. All of it's there. If you have any questions, fill out the contact and one of us will get back to you right away. AmericanConfidenceInstitute.com. Awesome. I mean, there's so much opportunity here to make an impact in the workplace. As you and I talked about at the beginning, there's just there's just so much great stuff going on. There's so many great people out there who are not realizing their potential because they're just not having the conversations right. And just a little bit of coaching, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of confidence can go a long way. So I'm excited about the work you're doing. Uh, I'm out there trying to spread the word, of course, to help people own their careers. I realize as I close this out, we both were aligned on a similar phrase recently. So something that I say a lot in my book and all my marketing material is that nobody cares more about your career than you do. And I know you have a similar mantra and it's all about helping people realize that they need to take ownership, right? They need to be intentional. Yeah. So my previous book was Kick-Ass Confidence, but the subtitle was Own Your Brain After Game, right? And I think the constant message here is don't wait for somebody else to to tell you what to do, get on it, do it. But at the same time, ask for help. You know, like there's people around you, whether it's a parent, a coach, a mentor. I had somebody yesterday, my gosh, it was just yesterday, reach out. I haven't talked to her in about 20 years. And she reached out and she said, just want to let you know how much your mentoring has changed my career. I mean, she's a VP of marketing at a good sized company now. And I think, you know, there are people I didn't wasn't assigned to be your mentor. I didn't know I was mentoring her, but you know what? There's people everywhere around you that you can ask for help, that you can observe, that yeah. you can just sit down and have a, a cup of coffee. Even if it's virtual, I do this all day, right? With people is yeah. let's just talk about what's going on in your life so we can figure out how, what's, right. what's getting in your way. And, and, and Andy, your work, man, I, that's what it does for people. It gives them that opportunity to really think through what they want and take control. So amen to that. Well, thank you. Yours as well. We're doing some great things and all about making an impact. And like you said, nobody cares more about your career than you do. It's all about taking ownership of your career. And for those out there in talent development, we're all about enabling people to do that. So take some lessons from this conversation and others that we have to do what you can to help people take ownership of their careers. And they're more likely to be happier, more engaged, more confident and hang around longer. So retention goes up. So Alisa, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Always love talking with you about confidence and courage and careers and all this stuff. And I know we'll have more great conversations in the future. So grateful. Thank you, Andy. All right. That will do it for my conversation with Elisa DeVere from the American Confidence Institute. I hope you got some value from that conversation. I really like Elisa and her approach and her philosophy. It's similar, but not exactly the same as mine. I think we differ a little bit on our perspective of what is courage right? And how that relates to what confidence is. And I think she takes a little bit more of a technical view. I really like to see courage as the opportunity to overcome any fears that you have. And so I know that there's a lot of things that I need to do. And you know, there's a lot of things that you want or need to do in your career. Maybe it's as simple as having that conversation with your manager about the next step that can be scary, right? Because 
we risk rejection, we risk failure, judgment, all sorts of things. And I talk, I think about those things all the time. And I think it takes courage to address those and take action even in the face of fear. In fact, courage is recognizing fear for me and taking action anyway. Elisa talks about the confidence aspect, as you heard, and confidence being that certainty that you know that you are qualified. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, you don't know if your manager or a sponsor or executive is going to approve of the things you're asking for, but you feel confident that you are taking the right step for you, that you are qualified and you've done your research, your homework, you've done the work, whatever it may be, that allows you to have confidence while still also potentially being a, you know, a little bit afraid or uncertain about the outcome. And I think that's the crux of what's causing a lot of issues in our corporate world right now, right? Where leaders are not having enough conversations, career conversations with their people because they don't know what to say. They're busy. They get a little bit afraid of like, what if my employee wants to leave or wants this or that? And so they avoid it. And vice versa, you've got the employees who are waiting for their manager to lead that conversation and they're not taking the initiative. And of course, they might be a little bit nervous or afraid of what might happen if they say to their manager, well, I'm enjoying this job, but I'd like to do something else long term. What are they going to say? But with more confidence and more courage, we can have more of these conversations. We can inspire more of these conversations. And I think that's going to lead to a lot more retention, a lot more happiness, a lot more engagement, a lot of better conversations, of course. So I know all of you know this, right? And you're hopefully trying to encourage more of these conversations. I'm doing this work in organizations as well through my book, through speaking, through my training program to help people have more of these conversations. So if you're interested in working with me to get more of these conversations going in your organization and inspire more people to own their careers. Of course, you've got the information on Elisa's confidence programs. Feel free to reach out to me as well. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, email me, andy at andystorch.com, or you can get free resources about my career program on my website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All right, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. And take care.